Um, so I j just wanted to give you a final update on our fundraiser, which ended last night at midnight. Um, it was by far our most successful fundraiser, so we cannot thank you enough for the tremendous amount of generosity. We ended up raising over $60,000 towards our $72,000 goal to pay off the mortgage on uh, the building we call Karma House. So just want to thank you again. And, and just like our practice, fundraising is something we have to consider 365 days a year. So um, you might also consider making a monthly donation. But um, thank you for allowing us to continue this practice to support this space, to support our teacher, Sokuzan, and our ability to continue to make our practice available. Um, I don't think I can say too much more other than uh, continued gratitude. Thank you. And I will turn it over to Sokuzan for his Dharma talk. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may happen to be. This evening's talk is, because it is evening here, is titled, what is the title? How to practice chicken chasm meditation. I thought we'd return to the foundation material, how to practice chicken taza meditation. Very simple practice, not so easy to do. So I thought I would run through that again and respond to your questions. So to start with, all kinds of meditation practices. I've done a few of them, as I'm sure you have. Chikantaza is uh, Japanese translation is just precisely this. Perhaps you all know. And this is trying to make it as minimal as possible. Just this. Just precisely this. So whatever is arising in any of the six sense seals, the mind stream, that's your object of meditation. Totally personalized for you because no one else is maybe witnessing or viewing or seeing, hearing, smelling exactly what it is that you are. A little bit different than the kinds of meditation where we're trying to maintain something to get more aware or become a better meditator, or to become more mindful. I'm not disagreeing with that particularly. I just don't teach it. And if you want to learn that, there are other places to learn how to be more mindful or be a mindful meditator. The idea with Shikantaza is for you to see exactly, precisely what this is, not to be somebody else other than who you are. Your, who you are right now is being trained through Shikantaza to see what this is. So you don't have to check with me or anyone else no authority. If there is an authority, you're the authority. So simply to go through it, the practices, find a place to sit. It might be in a monastery. It might be in front of a tree out in the woods. It could be almost anywhere, somewhere where nothing is happening in front of you, particularly wind might be blue, moving the leaves or something like that. So that is possible. So some movement may be possible. Sit down, hold still, sit in a symmetrical posture, this is the mudra that I recommend, called the cosmic mudra, left over right with thumb slightly touching, forming an oval between your first fingers and your thumb. And there's nothing particularly holy, sacred, or special about it. It's just symmetrical. It's not something you casually do. So therefore, you are it, it increase because you're using your you are using your body. You are increasing 
your intention, your mental direction, your, your intention to train your mind, to sit down, hold still, watch what continues to move after you've come to stillness, relative stillness. You're still breathing, diaphragm still moving. Maybe your particular body moves slightly all the time in different ways. So it's not about struggling to hold so still that somebody's going to come along and wrap you on the back of the shoulder with a stick. That we can leave that in ancient Japan. It doesn't have to be here. Just as we have left uh, ordaining nuns in Japan, we ordain monks and, and women. At least I do. So cosmic mudra, hold very still. Sit symmetrical, keep your spine as straight as your particular spine that you were born with will allow you to do. Eyes are open, whatever's in front of you, whether it's a wall, uh, a closet door, or a oak tree, whatever it is, just observe. Sit about 20 to 30 inches away from it, possibly more if you get a little claustrophobic when you're up close. That would be up to you. Even in the zendo, or even in the zendo or in the meditation hall of the monastery, there's some breathing room there. There are places where you can sit where there's quite a bit of space in front of you. A lot of space in front of you. I recommend facing the wall, but it's not totally necessary if you would prefer to do otherwise. And so you are observing your breath coming and going, but you're not fixating on it and you're not trying to maintain it. So you just intend to watch what moves. If you see that moving, then you're observing that. So if there's a noise out in the hallway or down in the other adjacent room, just observe, just receive that sound of that noise. And whatever arises in your mind, whatever that may be, as you're sitting there, anything that arises in your mind, let me go back to square one. You're sitting very still. Your hands are in this posture. If this puts a strain on the back of your neck, which it will for some people, you could work with it several ways. One is get used to it. It will go away, perhaps. Or another way is to put a pillow under your hands to support that so that, so that the, 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 the weight of the hands down like this are not pulling too much on the back of your neck. You can hold, it, hold the, this mudra in your, in your, what's the Japanese called, your hara center here. You can hold it up, which might help your posture. You can also just drop it down. And you can also practice what is called uh, um, Training the mind, mudra, like so. Just put it hands on knees. But this is more casual. So you do this one. It's very definite. You're not going to do it casually. So this, every time you do this, the body-mind situation that looks like two separate things, uh, there's some communication going on there. And you're helping with that by sitting in this way. Return to this. And the next day, return to this. 
return to it, return to it. And as you've heard me say many times, don't maintain it. This doesn't mean get up and leave, but you might want to look at the quality of the, what the mind is doing when you start to get uh, anxious or irritable or whatever, or bored. Take a look at that. And then if you need to, move. Don't maintain it uh, against something. That is not discipline. That is not discipline, forcing something. That's militarism and control, trying to control things to do what? To get results. Spiritual path is not about results. It's about intention. If you're looking for results, think of several things that you could do to get results. You could gamble, then you could either win or lose. So the intention to train the mind, the intention to sit still and observe what continues to move, and the intention to not add to anything that's moving in the mind stream or in the, in, in the room, no comment, no comment, no elaboration, no commentary. The, the difficulty was with that, when I say don't do that, is of course, you're probably going to do that. But what that does is by saying, don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. Don't make excuses for anything. Don't try to push something away or chop it to pieces or get angry about something particularly. And don't ignore it or distract yourself into something else. By that instruction, this is important. By that instruction, can I have your attention here? Here? By the instruction, it allows you to see the way the mind cannot do that. You cannot stop yourself from adding or commenting. And so therefore, the awareness is brought to the very uh, difficulty itself. So, and the feeling of uh, failing at that could be very strong. This is awareness. We're, we're trying to get to know our own mind on a very, very deep level, not just the, the level of chatting with something about things we haven't have been going on with us, nor even talking with our teacher about it. So don't add, don't subtract, don't divide, don't do any math, don't do anything, add nothing to it. And then what happens? We see that we continue to add, but by putting a little tension on that, like don't add, then we see that what continues to add on to that is the very nature of dependent origination, which is a very simple and obvious and completely self-secret. When I say self-secret, it's so, it's so um, in our face that we cannot see what this is, dependent origination. Very difficult to fundamentally see and understand. So we're sitting, holding this posture, and we're endeavoring, we're intending to just see whatever rises in the mind stream or what or the lawnmower going by outside our window, perhaps. Just observe, just receive. And when that comes up, notice the way the mind will add things on. Rather than just receive that as it is, as sound, as smell, as taste, as touch, as thoughts. 
to just receive it as thoughts. Instead, their thoughts about something, their thoughts about this. And then, then when those thoughts come up, then we generate more thoughts out of the, just the nature of consciousness, the nature of thinking, the fourth skanda, uh, will allow us to push against something or pull on something, shut down on something, elaborate on something. And the idea here is not to stop doing that, but to observe the way that occurs, the way that that shows up, the way that we something occurs and we think things about it, we add things onto it, which makes what actually occurred previously be obscured by our conclusions or ideas, our judgments, our evaluations. It is inevitable that we are going to meditate a lot and continue to look for some kind of progress. Some kind of, am I doing better? Am I more clear? Am I, do I have more insight into my difficulty? It's inevitable. And what do we do with that? Just receive it. Don't push it away. Again, don't fluff it up or add to it or elaborate on it or justify it or validate it. Just observe. Very difficult. This is why this is called a radical form of meditation. Just the opposite, in some ways, the same, but as it appears, it's opposite of creation completion state uh, practices of the, the tantric tradition, where we practice what's commonly called deity yoga, generate a meditation deity and identify with that, and so on, the mantras and mudras and so on. Did I miss anything? Probably have. So there's room for, for some questions. I really would like questions about chicken taza as much as you can. Stay with that. But Toji Bowie. Toji. When, when uh, we're sitting in chicken taza and it's not thoughts coming up, but just general noise. Yes. That there really is no room for commenting on it because it's just. It's just yes, I hear you. What's the question? What do we do with that? Just observe it. Just, just receive it. Excellent. You, you're, you're not going to know about that unless you've done quite a bit of meditating. And so I say, just receive it. You, you named it noise, but I would go, uh, name it noise, but then see if in your mind stream, if you can see what's just behind what you name. If it actually is noise, or if there's something else happening there that, that the word noise, uh, the, the, the comment, or you could say judgment, to say something is noise, say if there's something else happening behind there, that you've actually put a label on it that stops you from seeing deeply what that is. This is the way the self-centered mind protects itself. So, so you know, oh, go ahead. Um, at the time that happens, I don't know that I'm labeling it anything, it's just a, doesn't seem to be room to do anything with it. Okay. Sounds good to me. Keep going. Just just keep keep looking. Just look at the noise that you later on called noise. But when you're experiencing it, it's just whatever it is, you're not you're not labeling it at that time. Am I understanding you correctly? 
Oh, good. Good. Keep doing that. But look at the comment you just made. Too lost in it. More. We're always taking whatever arises and finding some way to separate ourselves from it. There's highly negative feelings that arise in the mind stream anytime that we call, that we just can't handle, we'll back out of it a little bit and call it depression. So at least we know what it is. It's depression. And I'm not saying it isn't depressing. <laughs> depressing. Of course it is. But that's a cover-up for it. And it, the problem with a cover-up is it tends to give it a kind of hideout where you could even say, if you wanted to um, make it subjective, that it actually thinks it is something and thinks it's real and think, and it will keep going because you're fighting with it. You're, you're labeling it, you're pushing it, you're, mo you're modifying it somehow. Modifying nothing. Don't meddle with your own mind and then you won't meddle with the rest of the world. She is unbowing. There was a question from Laura Cordero in the chat box. Okay. She asked, can you be in this posture literally on your back with your feet elevated by a chair, for example? In essence, you are then staring at the ceiling, bowing. So I would say, unless if you have some kind of a chronic uh, situation that's happening with your body where you can't sit in this posture, then then yes, do that. The most important thing to remember about it is stillness, not the posture. I mean, though I'm starting out with sit symmetrical, who can do that? I can't even do it myself. I, might, I can do it for a few minutes. Eventually my back hurts, my knees hurt, you know, I get irritated. So yes, if you can, if you can sit that lay on your back with your knees up on a chair, uh, like I'm understanding you to describe and hold very still and look at the ceiling, that's what you're saying, then do that, do that. She isn't bothering, she said stillness, great, got it, thank you. And then the Sanho has a question, bowing. Sanho bowing, I have two things for you. The first is, what is the difference between mindfulness and Chikantaza, Sanhobar? So mindfulness practice, as it's taught lots of different ways. If you listen to John Kabat-Zinn, or if you listen to well, anybody, I'm just mentioning his name because he's famous. Teaches all over the place, but not for free. Not for free. So it's about being mindful of something. Being mindful of, and possibly even maintaining a mindfulness of, a, of, a, of an object of meditation. This is, this is ancient, it goes back centuries. Nothing that someone made up recently. And I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm saying if you need to do that, you go do it. Uh, sometimes uh, some, someone who comes as a student, I might even have them do some kind of a mindfulness practice for a while, for a while. I sometimes have people start out if they're having a great deal of, deal of difficulty, closing their eyes for 10 minutes and possibly scanning their body. If somebody has a lot of anxiety going on, my uh, thing I often say, I try and I always succeed. I try to meet people where they're at. If I didn't know who this was and what this was, I couldn't do that because I would get confused between what's happening there and what's happening here. 
which is what the nature of samsara is, duality. What's your other question, Sana? Thank you. And I just wanted to say regarding this topic and regarding all of your teachings, thank you. Welcome. Thank you. And so, Shikantala, uh, to go on with the contrast, uh, one is a maintenance kind of situation, uh, of maintenance of some kind of a meditative stability or of being very aware of what's happening. Sometimes uh, if, if, you're, if you're with somebody who is into mindfulness and you're into mindfulness, and you're all practicing mindfulness and you bump into something, you might even say, you should be more mindful. Heard that said before. Not wrong, it's just relatively, relatively it's totally correct. But, but we're looking at trying to find out who this is, who you are fundamentally, fundamentally who you are, so that when you go towards anything, you, you, you are fearless. You're, you go towards your own death, you're fearless. Your partner goes towards their death, you're fearless. You're not, you're not uh, haunted by that kind of, situation. You see what it is. Is there another question? Okay, then I'll say a little bit more on shikantaza. Shikantaza is different from mindfulness practice uh, in, in the way it's conventionally taught. I'm not saying there aren't ways of teaching mindfulness so it might be closer to shikantaza. But I use that uh, term shikantaza because that's the Japanese uh, tradition. And but each person using that word might teach it differently. The way I teach it is sit down, hold still, just observe. Whatever's moving, observe. Even if something's standing still, observe. Just observe. Another way that I, another word that I use all the time is just receive. Uh, ultimate, uh, ultimate, in a, in a relative sense, of course, form of generosity is just give everything your attention. Everything. Don't ignore anything. Can you do that? Find out. Find out if you can. Find out if you can just be unreceived from everything all the time. Your whole world is coming towards you. Don't miss your life by going. I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I'd rather be doing this. They should have been doing that. They shouldn't have done that to me. Why did my parents treat me that way? We all have some of that going on. Maybe not. It's kind of extreme that I'm showing up in my mind at the present time. So by watching what is moving, use the image of a blade. It's like the thoughts that come and go. If the thoughts come and go, come and go, come and go, and you're tracking some and pushing on some and pulling others, enhancing some, pushing some down, helping some up, uh, being triggered into this and that story about whatever, then just be aware of that. Be aware of that. And if you don't do anything with it, if you don't correct anything, if you don't validate anything, you don't ignore anything, passion, aggression, and ignorance, you eventually begin to see fundamentally what this situation is of being a living being in an apparent three-dimensional world with other apparent living beings. You see right at the foundation of the whole situation. You begin to see yourself, not just study the teaching of dependent origination, pratitya samuppada, 
which is written about everywhere. And talked about everywhere, taught in different ways, in different directions, different understandings. You actually see it yourself and you recognize it. And then you look at the teaching Pratitya Samuppada. That's what they're talking about. That's what the Buddha is talking about. You're looking at what the Buddha is talking about yourself. You don't need to come and check with this old man. And you probably wouldn't. I mean, you might. I doubt it. You just see what this is. It's called getting your own authority. You don't need any other authority other than your own wisdom. This doesn't give you the right to abuse anyone, to step into anybody's territory, push anybody around to be some kind of a dictator. It doesn't give you any rights at all in that sense. Chicken Daza. More questions? Thank you. Question from Chris Smith. Can you give a brief, a brief history on this practice? No. How do we keep going when it feels like things are getting worse? That's how you keep going. If it's a mundane path, things are going to get better because you just get better and better and better at doing everything. Get better at playing music, better at singing, better at computers, better at riding a bike, getting really good at riding a bike, better at riding a motorcycle. I remember how many times I had to fall off a motorcycle hill climbing before I finally found that you should not leave the motorcycle. <laughs> Serious. It would go up and it would be airborne. I would just freak out and I would just let go of it. I didn't want to be with that chunk of steel when it fell sideways. Practice, practice, practice. Mundane things you actually can improve on, but the spiritual path is not about improvement. And, and don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that you read Atisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, those 59 slogans are all about trying to help you in that way. But if you're listening to me, you, you, know, you don't need that. You're ready to see this yourself, or you wouldn't be here. You're ready to see this directly. If some of those slogans support you, by all means, use them. I read those, and some of them I think are, are helpful. Like, um, be a child of illusion. Remember that there's no way you can really know fundamentally what this is. Knowing that you can't know what it is, is wisdom. The continued search for what it is, is samsara. Is there a point where that stops and we run out of worse? Run out of worse? Have you run out of words? Run out of crap words? <laughs> you know, of course, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that's arising in your life, in your consciousness. And sure, that could, it could change. It could go any number of directions. But what, if you practice enough over a period of time, there's no guarantee. But eventually, what can come about is you, you won't care. It's not that you don't that you enjoy having negative feelings, but you under your understanding is about the the nature of dependent origination, pratitas on the nature that feelings don't arise um, without cause, and 
not just one cause, but all kinds of causes. And then even the idea of a self arises as uh, it's caused by fear, it's caused by hope for something better, something else, something other than what's here. Fear of what's here, fear of the darkness, fear of the unknown, fear of oblivion, in other words, fear of death. Is there something that's not caused that we can perceive? Any ideas? And sometimes it just feels like the difficulty isn't coming from anywhere. And so I'm wondering how to work with that. You're doing it. Just that statement tells me you're doing it. The difficulty is not coming from anywhere. This is, this is the leading edge of, of seeing dependent origination. Can't find a source for anything. Even people who, who get depressed, and I'm not saying every, every situation of someone being depressed is, you know, I'm gonna explain it. You know, there could be all kinds of reasons for someone feeling, could be what they're eating, could be their, their, uh, their genes, could be heredity, could be, could be Lyme's disease, it could be any number of things could be happening. But when we're, when we're talking about training the mind, saying that as, as you practice, you'll find less and less uh, availability of some kind of explanation for whatever you're feeling. And you won't mind, you won't, you won't drop what you're feeling or seeing or smelling or tasting or experiencing for what it's about. You won't abandon what shows up in front of you, shikantala, you won't abandon it. You, you train yourself to see clearly. So when you get off the cushion, called post-meditation, that same uh, objectivity, you could call it that. Just not really, you could say, taking anything particularly personally, even the things you feel. So that's not, there's not something you can do and practice so much. It just starts to come about through just not pushing, pulling, or looking away. The difficult thing about it, that makes it really difficult, is you, you never know if that's happening. You don't, you don't get a credential, so there's no, you don't arrive at the station called enlightenment. There's, there is no place called enlightenment. But there's a couple of other places. One of them is called suffering, which is the ground of the threefold logic. And the next one is called the path. And the next one is called fruition. And fruition on this path ha has no, has no, Identification has no, can't see it. It's not a thing. It is, it is beyond the, beyond phenomena. It's beyond cause and effect. Who believe what I say? Find out yourself. Yes. Question from Tom Apollo. You've done a lot of different types of meditation over the years. Do you think those helped you when you came to Shikantaza? I started with Shikantaza, first of all, with the Kadagiri Roshi, Minnesota. So, probably, you can't take something out and say, oh, this, if you took this out, the whole thing collapses. I needed that experience of, of having my 
being in a zendo and having somebody steal my wallet and realize that people steal things, even religious people. So you can't really take take something out. And I would say probably everything helped. But the way I see it after all these years, the way I see it is anyone that I'm talking to that's functioning as a student of mine, even if somebody that I don't even know they're a student, they just listen to what I say. I'm saying that if you, my understanding is from, from what I see, not everything I've done, I've done a lot of practices that I don't teach, that if you train your mind to see what is arising in the mind without grasping, rejecting, or shutting down passion, aggression, and ignorance, bring that to a minimum. And we do that based by bring it to a minimum by watching how much we have no control over. You can't control the mind. You can control the body raise my hand, lower my hand so far. We have a very definite feeling of controlling things. And that's why we're so identified with the body, because that's an area we can't control. But you can't control your mind. You can't just be happy. Well, there's a few drugs that'll help you do that, maybe. There's a question in the chat box. I can't see it. Can someone read that? She is unbowing. There's two of them. Um, Yu Hong asks, what makes one feel so scary to see and not to see? Bowing. I think it's just, uh, if you ask what makes that, it's the belief that there is someone who is threatened. The belief that there is someone who can be wrong or someone who can uh, be wrong and everybody will know or, or a fear that, that you're gonna do all this work and you'll never really understand what this is for yourself. You'll always need to be dependent on other people for explanation of what it is, what your life is about. Just, just a couple of versions of that. But it's, it also is, I guess you use the fancy word, existentially scary. Because we don't really know who we are or what this is. And, and most of the world is just covering that up and just making assumptions. Well, uh, I work in a, a stockyard or I, I drive a truck and I have three kids and a wife that's divorcing me. And we have all of our stories that we, and it's not that they aren't relatively true, but they fill up our lives with, with these reference points. And we, we tend to use those to solidify ourselves, pardon my speech tonight, solidify ourselves so we don't have to look in the, the dark corners that the ego mind does not want to see. And this path will take you right into those corners. This is why you need a structure uh, like the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the teacher, the teaching in the community. We need to do this together. I could not, I would not be here presuming to teach the Dharma without those th the three jewels, without the teacher, two of them. Actually more than that, if I bring in His Holiness, the 16th Karma. And the teaching, what is being taught, everything is dependent on the reason. Nothing comes from its own side as an individual person. It's an illusion. And it's, it's a powerful illusion. And even when you see it's an illusion, it still keeps hammering at the door saying, no, I'm real. This is real. I'm real. This is really happening. You're really experiencing this. You're real. You're real. You're really, something's really going to happen to you. You better get it together. 
So study the Dharma, study the structures that down through the centuries that beings who have realized their true nature, or at least understood the, the concepts, like Vasubandhu uh, or Asanga, Sekito Kisan, Tozan Rokai, or, or uh, Dogen Zenji, the founder of our particular sect of Buddhism, Soto Zen. And then, of course, the, the Sangha, the community, quite often that's in the West, that's not really, doesn't really hang together too well. It's too, there's too much connection with all kinds of socializing and everything. So I'm not against that at all. I like to socialize. But it seems to be a, need a, a strong need for the community, the people, like we're all together here on Zoom, and we're here in the monastery to look at this material together, either take the Lankavatar Sutra and study it together, read it over and over again. Because Lanka, we just started that again. And we've been through it. This is our third time or fourth time? Third time through that sutra. This is the sutra that Bodhidharma brought from India to China. It is uh, rumored. I don't know what he did. We don't even know if there was a Bodhidharma. It doesn't matter. Matter that the lineage of the Buddha is alive, and it's twenty five hundred years old. Jeez, I'm buying. There was another question Go ahead. from Slav or Steve. Uh, he asks, "How strong is awareness? Is must be bowing." Uh, can you read that again? I think there might have been a, a slight typo. It. It says, how strong is awareness is must be. Okay, so I'll, I, how, how strong must awareness be? I guess that's what it would be. So uh, the idea here, the way I sometimes set it up to try to explain it, is the thought process is a, thinking is a part of awareness, just like the awareness, uh, the function in your uh, kidneys or in your, um, in your digestive tract, that awareness is doing that. Uh, it's awareness that, that uh, uh, as I'm talking, causes me to talk with my hands. So it's awareness that, that is doing all kinds of things that we're not consciously tracking. If uh, uh, Chazon, uh, for example, if you stand right next to Chazon and uh, have a spoon or something like that, and drop it, he'll catch it before it hits the floor because he's not because he's so smart, it's just because he's so quick and he likes baseball. So some people have that kind of reaction. And is that some kind of intention? Yeah, the spoon is falling, it's gonna hit the floor. I think I could probably catch it. No, it's just it's without with without thought, it's awareness. It's just bare attention to whatever is moving. And of course, pretty good reflexes there and control over your fingers. So more way I would go further on that is to say that the thought, because of fear, because of hesitation, because we're not sure who we are, what we are, what we're doing, we need to get our authority or our validation from society or from the world or from our, from our clan or from the, the Moose Lodge or something or from the US Marine Corps, which I was in for four years. Not a good place to get your identity from. 
even though it's bragged about all the time. So what happens is when you are threatened in any way, instead of the awareness coming out, instead of the awareness leading, which is what I think you're asking about, instead of your awareness being out here leading and have a willingness to not know and to be vulnerable, vulnerable all the time. Instead, the samsaric mind or the conventional mind with no mind training brings the thought process out and defends itself. There's awareness there, but the awareness is, is secondary to the thinking process. This doesn't mean that the thinking process doesn't have thoughts or doesn't have awareness in it. Of course it does. And the very nature of thinking is awareness with sharp corners. So the idea is that through the sitting practice of meditation, the awareness, you don't have to have more awareness, just awareness needs to be prioritized. So you lead your life with your awareness. You lead your life so much with your awareness, pardon me, that you don't even know what you're aware of. That everything is completely new all the time. Every time you see somebody that you've known forever, or you've known for three weeks, totally new person all the time. Very similar to watching a child grow. They're very young, they're a little helpless, little baby, and then they start to get less and less helpless and more and more demanding. No, nothing, no, there's nothing really static there. There's, there's constant changing all the time, impermanence. So, but the idea through uh, sitting practice of meditation through Shikantaza, one's awareness, because you're you're emphasizing the awareness of what's moving, not just what's moving. It looks like you're emphasizing what's moving, but not so. What's being emphasized is the space in which the thoughts, emotions, memories occur. And how do you emphasize a space? Is by not no no allegiance to anything, no no joining anything, no refusing anything, and no ignoring anything. As it says in the sutra, uh, picking and choosing is the disease of the mind. Picking this over that over that. Does this mean that you can't choose the color of your Cadillac? People drive Cadillacs these days. Is black a color? Question from Lydia. Lydia. Sometimes when I'm sitting, I realize that I have been thinking, but not paying attention. Should I be paying attention to my thoughts? Good, good question. Shikantaza. Sit down, sit in a symmetrical posture and observe. And it sounds to me like you're, you are practicing shikantaza and there's no shoulds there. You're, if you just, if you don't do anything with it, I mean, you ask me the question, so I'm responding in a way to say, yes, you're doing it. You don't have to pay attention to your thoughts because you can't help but pay attention to your thoughts eventually. If you try to pay attention to your thoughts, then we're right back to mindfulness practice and trying to control something and try to be somebody who's aware of their thoughts. Not interested. Not interested in teaching that and, and causing you or anyone else to go in circles and charging you a fee. But I'm in, what I'm interested in is I'm endeavoring to point at something that I'm looking at every all the time. And it shows up as the Buddha's Dharma. If you're interested, then do this. Sit down. Turn to the wall, return to the Buddha, return to the Dharma, return to the Sangha. Yeah. A question from Chris Smith again. 
problem solving? Is this different than any Dharma teachings? What kind of problems you got? I'll solve them for you. I'm always happy to solve anyone's problems. You all know that. Only the people who are in here, monks, they're wearing the prison garb, the monk. So, you know, not to make make light of it. I mean, problem solving, uh, it just involves looking at the particular structure that you're in, whether it's relationship issues or job, or should I leave this job or should I, what should I do here? Anytime you have a should I, shouldn't I, or either or, either or, stop, hold still and just watch the movement because it won't, and it won't stop shifting around. And, and But at some point, it probably will be obvious what you should do, especially if you don't meddle with it. And there's no way you, I can solve your problems particularly. Um, a lot of sitting meditation, no guarantee, but a lot of sitting meditation will help you get a different view of what the problems are and, and might have a better, uh, less blaming in there, blaming of yourself, blame, blaming of your coworkers or your partner or your less blaming and, and more a deep understanding of what everyone is going through as human beings. Even people who are extremely rude or mean are covering up fear more than likely. If we're laminated onto what our feelings are about. Is there a way to bring it back to the feeling? I think so. I don't know if you can so much bring it back, but if it's some kind of an ongoing situation, then the next time that shows up, you can keep it to a minimum, keep the addition, keep the, keep the frosting that you want to put over everything to make it look different, sweeten it up, whatever you may be doing. Since you're already asking the question, that means you're already working with that dynamic somewhat. Use that image. It seems like I don't see the frosting being put on. It's like I'm not aware of it until it's in my face and the frosting's yeah. already enticing. Okay. Question. How do I see the basic texture of that? You're seeing it. It's just that you're, you're seeing it. Uh, what, what you're, what's extra is you want results. You want to be able to do something about it. Just see it. Just, just, just observe. Just, just witness it. To use a more conventional term. Just witness what is happening. In one sense, it is, it is none of your business. In another sense, it's absolutely your own body-mind that is operating in it. But the more any of us can just observe what happens, just watch what happens, be with what's, happen what's happening, what's phrase I don't use too often, the more likely we're able, we're able to see the underlying structure of it and see if, if there is a possibility of moving into that. Uh, and it fundamentally, capital F, fundamentally helping the situation without being a nuisance based on your, your thinking you know everything and, and you know how to solve everybody's, everyone's problems or you know more about the situation than anyone else, but doing it somewhat impulsively. When that situation comes up on the cushion, it seems to be easier because at least I'm sitting, at least I'm doing that about it. Yes. How do I work with the difficulty when I'm off the cushion? How are you doing it now? Complaining about it. 
Stop complaining. That should be easy to do. With all the willpower you got. <laughs> so, but at least register that you're, that something occurs, something that's happening, and then you have a complaint about it. The complaint is extra. The complaint actually stops you from seeing what that is fundamentally. What um, is, seems like I can not hook up my vocal cords, but the complaint still shows up here. Okay. Is there a way to not complain uh, more fundamentally? Maybe you should complain. Maybe you should take it the other way around and go the other way and make, deliberately fluff the whole thing up a little bit to see if you can see more clearly what it is you're doing. It doesn't mean that you are mean to somebody, that you mistreat somebody, I'm saying that, even yourself. But, but work with the energy and such in a way that you're looking for the fundamental nature of the situation rather than right and wrong. We get trapped in right or wrong, correct and incorrect all the time. Difficult stuff. Whatever arises in the mind stream, whatever arises to you, any of you on Zoom or any of you here in the monastery, needs to show up. When I say needs to, it doesn't, doesn't like it has its own little needs, but it's like it's dependently risen. So everything that is arising is dependently risen. Even these words are dependently risen. What's different about it? I know. Find out yourself. You're not going to believe anything I say anyway. I'm even telling you all the time, don't believe what I say. Why? Well, I, I want you to see this. As I've said before, I don't mean to be sarcastic, but I don't, I don't need any followers. I'm not going anywhere. I don't need followers. I don't need students. But if you present yourself as a student, I'm all about teaching you if, with your permission. There's a question from Jonah in the chat box. He asks, how has your training with Trungpa mixing mind with space informed your practice of Shikantaza? Same thing. You can't know about that unless you've read quite a bit of Trungpa's teaching. So my response to you is same thing. Mind and space are not two different things. So fundamentally, you can't even mix them. If you know what, the, if you know what this is, there's nothing to mix. The path quality is mixing mind with space. But the fruition is nothing happens. No mud, no lotus. <laughs> like that. Is that Kurt? Oh, it's Kurt. Yeah, that was Kurt. But Another question from Tom McCauley. Tom McCauley, yes. What should we do when things get too fast and vague to observe during Shikantaza? I try to just see the confusion and not add anything. That leaves me feeling dumber and crankier than usual. Is that normal? Well, everything's normal to start with. So not knowing exactly everything about what's happening, all the various uh, uh, <laughs> situations that you're involved in uh i would say get up off the cushion and go take a walk don't, don't force the try to force some kind of control or peacefulness or you know, if you're a 
perhaps that, or I'd be better off to go do something else or look out the window at the walk. Go have some ice cream. That's not an escape. If you're if you're a meditator, your your intent is to train your mind. This doesn't mean that you have to bully yourself uh, into submission somehow. It just means set up a form or use the form of uh, like we do here in the monastery. You just if you come here, you use the form that's here. But there's no there's no enforcement of anything like there is some places. The form is here for you to observe, not to obey. Big misunderstanding. So you probably have a form of your own. Uh, is it Tom? No. Tom, you probably have, have a form of your own that you have some kind of structure. I would say you might want to lighten up a little bit. Lighten up in some ways, tighten, tighten down in other ways. Like the four-hour block set that we people do sometimes on Thursdays together in the monastery, morning and afternoon. The gong strikes and you sit for four hours. And then if the gong strikes again, you get up and go have lunch. In the afternoon, the gong strikes, you sit down for four hours. And then the gong strikes, and then you go have supper. And what you do between those two gong strikes is a movement. It's either movement of mind, if you're holding very, very still of your mind stream, observe that. And if you're, or if you get up and go to the bathroom, observe that movement. You don't need a specific <clears throat> walking meditation. We don't teach that here. You don't need walking meditation to train your mind. You just need to watch movement. And it can either be the movement that when you're sitting still, or can be the movement of getting up and in that four-hour block set, walking to the bathroom, going to get a, uh, a beverage, or going to get a point out in the in the backyard and spying on the neighbors. Yeah. Does Shikantaza give us permission for our practice? Um, what do you mean by permission? Is there an aspect of Shikantaza that gives us permission to look? Just like when you're talking about um, that we have permission to you know, respond to somebody. Do we have permission to respond to ourselves through Shikantaza? I think that's, yeah, the way I'm understanding your question, yes, you come in and the form is there, you have a teacher, you have a structure, uh, have, a, have a timekeeper, you don't have to do anything, you come in and just observe the form. So I'm not sure where you're going with the permission part, but once you sit down, yeah, you have permission to watch what moves. And you can also, you have permission to, to add on to what moves or subtract from it, judge it, or be upset with yourself. There's nothing to live up to. It's, a, it's an odd kind of way of saying it, but nobody's to blame for anything. doesn't mean there isn't a lot of responsibility. A big difference between blame and responsibility. Another question from Chris Smith. Is it okay to be impressed with your own awareness, or does this create problems? Well, that's all okay. You know, you're going to be impressed with, you know, I'm constantly impressed with just how erudite I can be. Aren't you guys? No. 
I wouldn't worry too much about being impressed or let, let it all hang out. Be genuine. If, you, if, you're, if you're trying to correct that kind of stuff, ego feeds off on that kind of, not gonna, I'm not going to look self-important. Ego feeds off on that kind of modification of how we appear so that we don't look that way, not only to others, but to ourselves. And convince ourselves that we're not impressed with ourselves. So yeah, be impressed. It won't last. Nothing lasts. If you think you're realized, you think you're enlightened, I'm not saying you're not, but probably won't last. There was another question from Slav. He asks, mindfulness meditation and shikantaza are training awareness. But what's the difference between the two, bowing? So my understanding, simple way of putting it, and there are mindfulness practices that are very close to shikantaza that people teach. And there are shikantaza practices that are, that are more like a mindfulness or, a, or like a shine practice or shamatha vipassana, that kind of practice. So my way of talking about it is saying mindfulness practice is about creating a, a mindful, a person who's mindful, creating an awareness that is aware, someone who is aware, someone who is alert. So it's more of an identity. Uh, you're soaking in a practice that will give you a stronger identity as someone who is stable, mindful, clear, not, not, uh, not easily uh, um, affected by anything, quite above everything. It might not particularly look uh, uppity. Might, might even look, they might have it down in such a way they actually start to look humble. You ever met really, really humble people? There's something really suspicious about that. They're really humble. Mm. Yeah, look really close. You might not be able to detect that except through your nose. So the difference is mindfulness is about a control situation. And again, I'll say it one more time. I'm not saying it's always that way. Some people are teaching a, a form of meditation, calling it mindfulness, and it's much more like shikantaza, much more open. Shikantaza is holding everything still that you can without struggle, the body, and watching what continues to ramp up the mind. Don't interfere. Just observe. It's like standing on the bridge, watching the water flow under it, or watching, looking at a pond and seeing the fish swim. Those fish are your thoughts, and they're none of your business. If you think they're your business, then you'll fight with your world, and you, you may win relatively, and you may fail, but nothing lasts, and we're one of them. So, some differences. The idea with shikantaza is that you're training your mind to see what moves and watch what moves so that the awareness that in which that which moves uh, is awareness is like the sky and that which moves are like clouds. And what you're doing by not interfering with the clouds, a good cloud, bad cloud, uh, I, I don't want to have this kind of a cloud, uh, then the, the awareness, the attention, the the understanding of the nature of the sky is very much like the nature of the mind with, without particularly being um, 
manipulated or controlled or seduced by thought patterns, no matter how horrible they are. This kind of stability is not about maintaining anything. This kind of stability is a, is a stability that is a, um, in the Tibetan tradition is called the Vajra-like Samadhi. Vajra means indestructible. And samadhi means not to. Question from Spool String in the UK. Spool String, you're still around. Spool String, tell me a little bit about yourself. That's my question for Spool String. But first, I'll answer Spool String's question. And then, Spool String, you got to tell me what's up with you. What's happening with you? Why do you have a name like that? And is Spool your first name? Question. When I asked a question that sounds like a stain on the, on the effort of meditation. However, why do I lose the clarity I have when sitting a lot if I sit slightly less often? School string. A school string in the UK. That's a problem. Too far away. I can't get to them. So, I reflect on this, clarity is not about the feeling of being clear. Clarity is, clarity is about the, the clarity of being clear about the confusion. It's not about clarity about clarity, although that may apply at some point. But the path is about seeing more and more how, how confused and how obstructed and how warlike and how, how much uh, polarity is happening in the mind stream relative to hope and fear. I want it, I don't want it, it shouldn't be, it should be constant argument. Be, to become very clear about that without stopping it, without validating it, without ignoring it, passion, aggression, and ignorance. This is the clarity of the Buddha. The Buddha did not awake, as you've heard me say before, and others too, did not awaken to you know, wonderful flower gardens and parks and harmonious world, some kind of heaven realm. He awoke to his own suffering and that of the world. And he, as far as we know, the first words out of his mouth is, life is suffering. It's not a negative statement. It's realistic. And then he said the cause is wanting something else, wanting something different. Whoever's there, we don't want that. Want something else. Or we want that, but we want it to be a little bit this way, a little bit that way. And then, of course, the third noble truth, that's the first two, is cessation, or that can come to an end. And the training to do that is Shila Samadhi and Prajna, meditation, awareness, and wisdom. Spool string, now answer my question. Who are you? Saying? So Junchu is sitting here looking at her phone, waiting for you to say, what's up? What up, school string? I really like that name. So I thought school string was a, was a guy. And then I had, somebody said, no, I think it might be a woman. Did you say that or is it something? But we don't really know. Man? LGB. Q, are they using an X at the end now? Who knows? 
Anyone know things like that? You can see I'm not going to get any help from you guys. Further question while we await School Strings autobiography. Are we good then? Chicken Taza, totally clear. Sent you. Is there a way that we can practice seeing perception? Yes, to see perception only, or seeing that subject and object are not two different things, like it's taught in Avasabandha's 30 verses, one of the places, to see that, look at the objects. And don't add to them, don't subtract from them. Whatever, whatever thought arises in your mind, whatever uh, car rolls down the road, no addition, no subtraction, no ignoring. Start, in the, start with it in the mind, and then it'll start, you're able to actually do that out in the world. You see that what you're looking at is not separate from that which is perceiving it. It's called perceptional yogachara teaching. You talked about the perceiver and perceived collapsing into perception. What is the collapsing? The, you know, the polarity of gone, the duality of this and that, or you and me, or anyone and any other or any you and the world is a big duality. And that, that, the, the perception, the assumption that I'm over here, and you're over there, and that we're, uh, we're fundamentally not, we're fundamentally separated. It looks that way. But the fundamental situation is we're not, it's not two. So that perception respects the separation that is involved in relative truth. You're still over there. I'm still over here. I don't come and take your money away because we're not, no, it's not separate. There's no, there's no uh, support to enter any, any, anyone's uh, territory through perception only. But you actually see that the foundation is not separate. So this is where one of the, another way that this is taught as an image is everyone has been your mother. Down through history, all the, uh, Beings that you've been, you've had, everyone has been your mother. So that works well unless your mother was kind of mean to you. Another question? Yes. We've got some information about school string. Did somebody else send it? No. Oh. <laughs> is it from school string? Okay, what do we find out? Hello, my name is Tom, 43, Scorpio, equal anger and love. Male, I like kung fu. School string is like puddle and clouds. Been meditating 20 years. Life has been difficult. I keep going. I love you guys. All right. Well, that was pretty good. Well, I could do that. Quickly. Very good. Oh, we love you too. At least I do. Um, and I think there's a few other people who love me. Don't take us for granted, though. Further, take another question. I don't know where we're at as far as time. I don't have a watch anymore. I just wear these things. Are we done then? Yeah, we're done. We're done. Okay, we're done. <laughs>
If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokokoji.org.